like, hey, are you actually going to record? And I have to like name the recording. I'm used to it kind of being like Zoom where you just press the button and it does it. So like, it's a great intuitive thing because it means that all my files now have saved names rather than just like hopes and prayers dot PNG. Um, so it's great. I love it. It keeps everything organized, especially right now since I'm recording both podcasts on this one software platform. Uh, but it's I, whenever it asks me, it's like, what the fuck do you want from me? It's like exasperated typing noises. It's like, what do you mean title it? <laughs> so for those of you who don't know or her brand new, um, Amanda also runs another podcast. I'm going to let you talk about it for a second. Yeah, I run a BL and Yowie podcast called The Yowie Shelf. Uh, that has a more aggressive video portion. Aggressive. A more prominent video portion to the show than Unfortunately Required Reading does. So I use a software called Melon. Not yet a sponsor. Please fucking sponsor me because I tell everyone about this. Um, and usually I only use it for the one podcast. And we've been recording over Zoom for Unfortunately Required Reading. Well, Zoom decided that uh, capitalism rules are back in effect. And started charging people for all of the features that we got really released to being free during the pandemic. Which, air quotes, makes sense. It was dumb of us to think that these features would always be free. And to think that a company ever had our best interests at heart. Uh, but also, it's very, very aggravating when you get used to doing things a certain way. And now you suddenly can't. It's true. It's very it, true. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, end rant on technology and consumerism because realistically, you do not want to get me started. I am in rare form because of like various feelings about Juneteenth and everything. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I am, it's... I am in rare form. I am practically vibrating with feelings about corporatization and capitalism. Yeah, it's really interesting because over only in the past few years have corporations started going, yeah, okay, we understand that this is a holiday. And now they're like, oh, we can market this just like Pride. And I'm like, oh, my God, it's not it's nothing like, oh, my God. Sorry. Yeah. I and started, it's, but I understand. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm not going to talk about it here because, again, you will never stop me because all of my anger is uh, correct. So we're going to talk about... Uh, some gay men in the form of the Iliad. So just because I'm in love with my creative title, I will say it getting Go dragged ahead. by the gods and the gays, the Iliad. Like I, I feel like I missed my calling in not just staying in academia, but listen, I can do more outside of academia. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's why people have podcasts is for all of their other aspirations. Uh, I also realized, so I chose the pride filter which this might be too to release a video version just because it's an amazing pride filter. It also though is aggressively non ADD friendly. Yeah. I keep like going, Ooh, pretty, Ooh, pretty. And this was like, not designed for people that have ADHD or ADAD, which both of your hosts very likely have. <laughs> so from what I have been told is mine is anxiety related but this week has been very, very different. So not to go too much into my own story, but uh, I left a field that I was in for almost five years mm -hmm. um, and went to a completely different field. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to tell you right now how amazing it is when you're not getting called an idiot every day by your clients. Suddenly your stress kind of melts away. It's, uh, 
it's new and it's weird and I don't know how to deal with it yet. So moving on. Yeah, same. I mean, I had that when I went from agency to in-house marketing uh, because, you know, when you're working in an ad agency, everything is constantly on fire. You never know who's going to say something possibly racist and your entire company folds. That actually happened to a colleague of mine where the CEO said something racist and everyone found out and then like all the clients left. So he lost his fucking job because of it. Uh, and then you go in-house and it's like, oh, I only have the one thing to do. Like it's five and I can go home. What? Yeah. Leaving my job at five and not being expected to go to a meeting until nine o'clock at night or, uh, you know, getting frantic emails on a Saturday because somebody's mm -hmm. gate is down. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know what to do. Like, my phone isn't blowing up on weekends anymore. And I'm just like, so you mean I can leave it in the other room? Sweet. Yeah, yeah so. it's weird. Uh, so what are we drinking? Um, I grabbed a can of pineapple orange juice because those of you who know, know. There you go. Happy Pride. So I have leftover Uzo from when we did our Sappho episode two years ago. So I'm, yes. let's, let's be honest. Amanda's not making me do this. I'm tormenting I'm myself. Yeah. Like this isn't even Amanda has concocted some strange potion, you know? Oh, should we tell them about the cocktail foam? Yes, tell them about the cocktail foam while I take this shot and cry. So I saw this product on TikTok that was like a vegan cocktail foam. And I'm assuming it's like aquafaba or something. Like, I'm not quite sure entirely how the chemistry works. But instead of having to like shake aggressively to make like a Ramos gin fizz or something with egg white and then you dry shake and you wet shake, this you just add a couple of drops and then foam. And that's such a game changer and is so amazing. And I love that because I am one of those people who hates shaking cocktails. I have these tiny, tiny, delicate hands. They get cold very easily. And while I think the chemistry of how a cocktail chills is amazing, my tiny hands don't like it. And I don't like it. And I have these little Tyrannosaurus Rex arms that weren't meant for that aggressive kind of shaking. Just the hand gestures there were amazing. Like, I don't have... I don't have the arm situation to be that kind of person. Uh, there are some excellent diagrams of what people think T-Rex did with their arms. Uh, my favorite is, like, the late 90s, early 2000s one where people were just fucking spitballing. Because it involves my favorite theory, which is the arms are there not for T-Rex hunting, but for T-Rex loving. <laughs> and it's to like give the female T-Rex like a little scritchy scratch while they're doing the thing. <laughs> and I mean, obviously we can't tell if that's true. We have no idea. The arms are actually quite strong on a T-Rex. They're just tiny, but they could still fuck you up. So yeah, one of my theory, one of the theories that I love is that they were just designed to do like a little scratchy scratch. <laughs> she just wanted a back rub, bro. Yeah, like it's like it's like when your partner grabs onto your love handles. It's just it's a little cushion for the pushing. Like that's what I'm hoping. <laughs> I really hope that that's what it is. Is that it's just for a little scr scritchy grab, but 
T-Rex style. So I'm going to be honest. I yes. took the Uzo. Yes. And it was a bad call. Yes. But it's gone. But I do have okay. a chaser. Yes. So the beauty of, of being obsessed with mead at this point in time, thanks podcast, is one, I have my own mead brewing downstairs. Mm -hmm. Although that's part of my like Norse mythology obsession. That's a whole other thing. That is. Um, but also there's this really good thing, not yet a sponsor, called Havoc Mead. And they have mm -hmm. Be Proud, which is their like Pride Month. It's a uh, Cassis Orange Sour Mead. And it's really good. Cassis? So, huh? Cassis? Cassis. There you go. I'm like, who the fuck is Cassis? And then I'm drinking it out of my gay cup. Okay, anyway. I'm like, who the fuck is Cassis? What the hell? I don't know. The way I used to pronounce a lot of things are still... It will never be as bad as brochet. Oh no. Did you have you never heard the brochet story? No. So former best friend, we were at IHOP and they had the brioche French toast. And you know how they say when you don't know how to pronounce something, it's because you've never heard it or read it really before. And he like confidently is like, Can I have the brochet French toast? And I'm like next to him in the booth, just like full French indignation. It's like the what? The what? I'm the one in the other country going, I'm going to mispronounce this and I apologize. Yes. Can I have this one? Also, um, not a sponsor, but Target has their pride flag collection. And I forgot that I have the bisexual one that has a peacock that says strut your stuff. Oh, it's so cute. So not yet a sponsor, but uh, rainbow capitalism. Sometimes you work. Uh, we're going to talk about a lot of bisexuals in this book, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we're also going to talk a lot about how um, modern day academia has certain things that they don't talk about, but ancient academia talked about it all the time. So for sure. All right. So the the Iliad is long. Okay, it is. It is. I've actually written a description that is shorter than the Iliad. Mm. So congratulations. Um, That's not a feat, considering that it's 24 books. It is 24 books. Um, so I'm going to give you a little bit of backstory, because a lot of times when we read um, things like the Iliad or the Odyssey mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. even Oedipus Rex and things like that, mm -hmm. they assumed that everybody would know the story. So it's kind of yes. like us knowing like the Sleeping Beauty story or, mm -hmm. you know, the U.S. is very big on Germanic folktales. So just, just mm -hmm. you would know all the ins and outs of this. Like, you would be like, right. oh, yeah, I remember that from when I was a kid. My mom telling me that story. Or I remember yeah, my dad I would, telling me that. I would almost uh, akin it to, like, Disney movies a little bit. Where, like, especially the early up to Renaissance Disney is really banking on you already knowing a version of this story. So that when Disney did it, one, because he was a cheap bastard and an anti-Semite took them out of the public domain and then made them copyrightable again because he was an anti-Semite and a bastard. Amanda doesn't, Amanda doesn't have strong feelings about this at all. Um, that That's one of the reasons why he did it. That's why when it, that's one of the reasons why the Disney Corporation has been so successful in really co-opting things that people knew for free for hundreds of years. It's or why it's so insidious and powerful. And as much as, as we may love the Hercules movie, it is not accurate by any stretch of the imagination. I can't oh believe I get God. to bring back an, a vintage design. Stop looking to children's media for accurate representations. 
of historical or fictional events. I mean, y'all have heard me go on to my Anastasia rant they for 20 minutes, so we're not okay, doing that ever again. But they weren't even trying to represent anything in Hercules. Well, they couldn't, because if they yeah. did, they would have traumatized children for right. life. So, like, Anastasia, I'll give you, like, a soft pass. Hercules, no. They were making a Michael Jordan movie, and they didn't have Michael Jordan. <laughs> Fair. They wanted to make oh a Michael Jordan movie. The, the Air Hercs. It's yeah. not even, it's not even yeah. like hidden. It, thank you. It's not. They wanted to make a Michael Jordan movie and they didn't. And they had Hercules. And uh, the two directors really, really, really wanted to make Treasure Planet. And they got kidnapped into making a bunch of other movies that weren't Treasure Planet. And Hercules was one of the last before they were able to finally live their dream and make Treasure Planet, which ended up being a much worse movie. I liked it, but I was also a kid. So, I mean, I say much worse, and it just it doesn't make sense. I'm not saying it's bad, but like, it, like, it's like as a, as a Disney film, it is a step down. <laughs> All right. Anyways, so I'm gonna give you my non Edith Hamilton discussion. Um, oh, we're not doing Edith Hamilton. Oh, we can. I mean, but I I uh, for so for people who went to school in the United States, I don't know if you did, but in public school in California. We read sections out of Edith Hamilton. Yep. We didn't read the whole thing. We just read no. sections. And I think it was because they didn't want to have difficult conversations with us. That's a really great way to describe it because this has always been like my thing when people are like, oh, we want to ban books. You know, it's the content because I'm halfway willing to listen to that conversation halfway. Uh, whenever people are like, oh, well, it's the content. Why are we reading anything? We shouldn't be giving our kids this. We shouldn't be giving our kids Looney Tunes cartoons. We shouldn't be giving them Disney cartoons. Like, if you're concerned about the content, then there are a lot of other things that you also need to be policing rather than I am a racist and I don't want to have a difficult conversation. So with our kid, we've gotten really comfortable at difficult conversations. Yeah. But, I mean, she makes it easy because she's very intelligent. So mm -hmm. I've been, I have been blessed. I won the stepmom lottery. I'm just saying. Um, where I can sit down and I can talk to her about a lot of things. No, there are certain mm -hmm. subjects that I'm like, if you're curious about this, let me know and I'll walk you through it. But mm -hmm. at this point in time, uh, because kids have the internet, okay? My kid has seen things that I didn't know about until I was 24. Yeah. And while that is terrifying, if you That's are so able great. to like control the narrative a little bit and i'm mm. not saying like use that for evil i'm not saying like you tell everybody that the gays are bad and like you don't do that but you go mm. you're gonna come up with your own ideas about this but this is what i've experienced this is what i've seen and it's difficult it is difficult but it is it's a little easier with her just because of, of who she is but i say it is like i'm like i have a child somewhere i can barely keep a lavender plant alive dear listeners Okay, I've never been able to keep a lavender plant alive. So apparently, I killed half guy. My cactus is doing okay. The cactus is still doing okay. Uh, all right. So since we're not uh, <clears throat> diving deep into Edith okay. Hamilton's nonsense, backstory. So the story of Paris and Helen, because this is going to be very integral to the Iliad as it far is. as why the war started. Yes. So the whole war starts because. 
Paris goes to be a guest of Menelaus, who is the king of Sparta, mm -hmm. and Helen, his wife. And uh, Helen is, to be completely cliche, hella hot. She is the hottest is. woman in antiquity at this point in time. So mm -hmm. Menelaus is like, I'm doing pretty good. And he has built these fortresses around his kingdom. So mm -hmm. he's like, nobody's going to walk in here and take her out. Like, that's not going to mm -hmm. happen. Um, there are some discussions later about how complicit she was in this and how not, depending on what sources you read after. Yes. So anyway, he's like, this is the hottest woman in the world. This is great. Paris is originally a shepherd and mm -hmm. Zeus calls on him one day and he goes, listen, I got three goddesses fighting. First of all, if Zeus ever calls on you for anything, that's, that's going to be, do bad. not go. Do, yeah, don't. So if Zeus wants anything from you, do not, do not go. So he's like, I don't feel like I can judge this competition because I'm married to Hera and she's one of the mm -hmm. contestants. Mm -hmm. So Culpa got out. I'm going to give you this golden apple and you're going to give it to the hottest goddess. Again, yes. horrible planning. So Awful Hera, plan. Aphrodite, and Athena show up. And mm -hmm. keep in mind, all three of these goddesses are not known for being passive. They are yeah. known for plotting. They are known for doing all sorts mm -hmm. of stuff on the back end so that they can keep their hands clean. And keep in mind, I love every one of these. These, these mm -hmm. goddesses are fascinating. But Aphrodite is like, listen, I'm the goddess of love and beauty. She's mm -hmm. also probably a goddess of war, but that's gotten white or washed out. Um, but she's she's very similar to Freya as far as Norse mythology. So sorry, I got to throw that in there. Um, so she cheats and she says, listen, mm -hmm. Paris, I know the hottest woman alive, right? So here's the deal. If you pick me, I will hook you two up. Mm -hmm. And like, oh, yeah. I mean, I'm a shepherd. This is amazing. Totally. Like, make it happen. So she said, great. So he says, okay, Aphrodite is the hottest goddess. Here's mm -hmm. the problem. And this is why dealing with the gods is always difficult. Helen wasn't single. And that never got discussed as part of the bargain. Um, no. So Aphrodite is like, here, I'll help you break her out of this super protected house and you can take her with you. And that's how we get war. Because Paris yeah. is a guest of Menelaus, so it violates the laws of hospitality. And also we took his super hot wife. So anyway, mm -hmm. now on to the Iliad. So Homer tells his muse, tell, or tells this muse to talk about Achilles, right? And he's mm -hmm. like, hey, me all this stuff about it. Achilles is the greatest hero to fight in the Trojan War and just at that time considered to be the greatest warrior total. And she's like, all right, buddy, I'll tell you the story. So the war has been going on for nine years at this point. So mm -hmm. if you've read some other sources, nobody thought it was going to go on. It was kind of like the American Civil War, which is why you have things like Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? and um, Cold Mountain. Because it was seen oh it's going to be really short it's not going to be that big of a deal we're going to have achilles go out we're going to fight it's going to be no big deal we're done i feel like honestly like every american war has been that where it's like it's going to be fine it's not going to be a big deal we're just going to go in go out it, it feels like a target run where you go in and then you're in the dollar section for four hours yeah we're like you're supposed to be like okay i'm literally just here for like towels i'm just here for towels I'm only here for towels. And you leave and you spent like $500 and you forgot the towels. Mm -hmm. That's what honestly like every war 
sounds like to me is just a failed target run. Or you've seen people fail the target run before Afghanistan and you'd say, I will never be like that. It's going to be fine. And then you're in Afghanistan forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, or yeah. the current drama right now where uh, the King of Belgium has refused to apologize for everything that Belgium did to Africa. Oh dear. Cause it's not just, he didn't apologize. Cause you know, they, they didn't ask. No, they asked, they're like, Hey, We'd really love it if you said a few words about, you know, all of this gestures vaguely. And he refused. And now everyone's upset. And Belgium isn't like a massive empire where they would suffer from like saving fate or it's like going forward and saying, listen, we fucked up. Okay. I mean, it doesn't, matter. it doesn't matter the size of your empire to acknowledge that like, Everything in Africa, or at least like for a lot of parts of Africa, is your fault. Uh, this is where I ominously point to King Leopold's ghost, uh, King Leopold's ghost, and I just tell all of you guys to read that because that book tells you everything that I'm too exhausted to tell you. Um, I got into a very, very long rant on repatriating remains of people that were kept in like sideshows and stuff like that. Oh yeah, I remember us talking about that. Yeah, I got started back up on that shit again. And I didn't think I could be sad anymore about it. It got worse. Uh, let's continue to talk about these uh, petty Greeks. Okay. So they thought it was going to be quick. But here's the thing. The Trojans had a lot of gods on their side. So that's, that's the problem. But there are gods on both sides because they're petty and they're bored. Like, let's yes. be honest. So during this these altercations, the Achaeans, so basically Achilles, Patrocles, Agamemnon, Menelaus, most of the names that we know. Um, they've taken two beautiful maidens, and one of them is Chryseis, and one of them is Briseis. And mm -hmm. Agamemnon, the king in charge of the Achaean army, is like, I'm going to take Chryseis because I think she's hot. She's mine. Problem is, she's the daughter of a priest of Apollo. And let's be honest, Apollo is petty as fuck. So while well, Achilles is chilling with his claim of Briseis, and there's a lot of discussion about the fact that he didn't take advantage of Briseis, um, Patroclus was part of that. They were educating her. It's a whole other thing. Okay. Mm -hmm. But anyway, Briseis is chilling and she's having a good time. But the priest of Apollo is like, I will give you a huge ransom to give me Chryseis back. Just give her back. Uh, and Agamemnon's like, nah, this is my honor prize. There's no way I'm giving her back. So mm -hmm. Chryseis prays to Apollo and we get a massive plague on the, um, the Achaeans. So tons of soldiers die. And after like 10 yep. days, Achilles is like, Listen, you, I talked to the seer named Colossus, all right, probably mispronounced mm -hmm. probably, and he says, the plague is retribution from Apollo. All you have to do is give back Chryseis. And he's like, why would I give her back if you still have Briseis? And he's like, oh my fucking God. Like, it's an honor prize. You're not going to ask her back from me. Mm -hmm. uh, the request infuriates Achilles. And he's like, you know what? Fuck you. Because... Agamemnon ends up taking Briseis and he's like, you know what? I'm going to take my fucking people back to my house, my home. Mm -hmm. Agamemnon's like, well, you know what? I'll just take care of this war myself. And Achilles draws a sword to kill Agamemnon. But Athena, sent by Hera, no less, says, hey, keep it together. Go hang out in your tent or your hut. Just avoid Agamemnon. He's not worth it. Mm -hmm. this duel is also prevented by a very long speech from an advisor named Nestor who's incredibly intelligent um, so mm -hmm. Achilles is over this shit he goes back to his hut he's like 
I'm never fighting for the Greeks again. Fuck you. And he just wants to see Agamemnon and his people destroyed. So it's kind of like when you leave a bad job and you're just watching. You're just watching. Yes. Um, so his, Achilles' mother is a sea nymph named Tatis. And he's like, can you ask Zeus to fuck up Agamemnon? Like, I love that. Hey, mom, can you? Anyway, so the Trojans and Achaeans declare a ceasefire one time in time. But the Trojans breach the treaty. And Zeus comes and hangs out at their side. And he's like, hey, listen. With Zeus and no Achilles, the Achaeans are suffering terrible losses, which is what Achilles wanted, right? right. See between Paris and Menelaus, who gets zapped out of there by Aphrodite. And we get mm -hmm. my absolute favorite scene in the entire book, which I'll talk about later. Mm -hmm. um, we get Hector versus Ajax, which Hector gets pieced out of there as well. It's a whole thing. Mm -hmm. The Achaean warrior Diomedes, who is a badass, can't even like change this. It's going on. And the Trojans push the Achaeans behind the ramparts that are protecting their ships. So they've built these things to kind of protect their ships because they know if those go down, they are homeless. They are never getting back to where they're from. Correct. So meanwhile, the Achaeans are like, okay, so Diomedes and Odysseus have managed to sneak out. They're getting information about Trojan plans. It doesn't work well. And so the next day, a ton of commanders are wounded and the Trojans break past the ramparts. And they're like, mm -hmm. okay, these guys are going to burn our ships down. We're fucked. And so with no ships, the army is going to be stuck, like I was saying. So Achilles is like, this sucks because my friends are dying, but mm -hmm. I am not willing to help. I'm not doing this. You can't make me. Typical guy shit, right? Typical um, guy shit. So instead, he allows Nestor to dress up his friend, his dearest friend, Patroclus, which we'll get into a lot more, mm -hmm. puts him in Achilles' armor to go fight. Because Patroclus is like, listen, I can't sit by and watch these people die. So I'm going to go do this thing. And Achilles is like, okay, well, if you're going to go, take my armor, okay? Mm -hmm. Just, it'll be fine. So Patroclus is actually awesome. Um, we get yes. discussions from Briseis later where she's like, he was never quick to anger. He was always very quiet, um, mm -hmm. thoughtful and kind. Um, but Patroclus is also a trained warrior. And so he mm -hmm. gets out there and he is kicking ass and he's lifting yeah. the spirits of the Achaeans because he's wearing Achilles' armor. And so everybody's like, look, Achilles is here. This is great. We're going to be fine. Yeah. They get the Trojans back behind their city walls. Apollo is pissed off though. So he knocks off Patroclus's armor and Hector kills him. And this is the turning point in the Iliad. This is where we focus because people are like, we're going to fight to reclaim the armor and the body and Hector yes. gets the armor. And there is a ton of back and forth about we're gonna, the Trojans going, we're going to let Patroclus get eaten by dogs around side the walls. And, you know, mm -hmm. do it do all these things but menelaus and the others manage to get the body back and they bring it back to achilles and he goes fully ape shit okay yes fully ape shit he has his mom give uh patrocles a special blend of stuff so his body won't rot he's not leaving the body's side he's very very close to it mm -hmm. he's and the best part is so we we in, as a current audience are like, oh, yeah, you know, I would do that for my friends. But the Greeks are like, uh, they were more than friends. Anyway, so Achilles says, fuck it. He rejoins the battle. His mom goes um, to Mount Olympus and convinces, convinces Hephaestus to make new armor for Achilles. And mm -hmm. Achilles 
gets this from his mom like the next day he goes out into battle and he starts killing everything that comes into his path he is yes. not slowing down he is not stopping he is fucking done with everyone so yes of Troy thinking the victory is super close at hand because everything that's happened up to this point he orders his men to camp outside the walls of Troy and this goes very wrong because the Trojans see Achilles freak out and hide behind the city walls in terror um, mm -hmm. in full ship mode any Trojan he comes across like we just talked about he is cutting down to the point where the river god Xanthus is like can you please stop dumping corpses into my stream? It's disgusting and it's causing problems. It is yeah. bad with corpses. Yeah. So Achilles confronts Hector and he's like, listen, you killed my boy. And Hector mm -hmm. refuses to flee inside the city. He gets chased around the walls three times, but Athena tricks Hector into turning around to actually fight Achilles. Yes. She's like, I'm tired of watching this. So Achilles, as we all expect, kills Hector but this is what we don't expect he pierces the back of his legs or like where the tendons are which I think this mm -hmm. is why we call them the Achilles tendons but I'm not sure and he hooks Hector to the back of his chariot and drags the body around his camp over and over and over and over so while they're having a funeral for Patroclus and it's a series of athletic games that go on for nine days um, mm -hmm. The whole time Hector's body is being drugged in circles by chariot around the funeral buyer. The entire time. But here's the thing. Athena does her goddess thing and she goes, I don't want this body to fall apart because that's going to make me look bad. So she does kind of what Thestus does except she, uh, Thetis does. But she uses her Athena's powers and she makes his body look great and keep from falling apart. So I don't know if that's better or worse. Mm -hmm. Um the gods are like, okay, Achilles, you need to calm down because even we wouldn't do that shit. Wow. Um, Zeus sends Hermes down to escort Hector's father, King Priam, mm -hmm. um, so he can get his son's body back because mm -hmm. otherwise there's no way that he's going to get past those people to get in there. Mm -hmm. um, Priam pleads with him. He shrugs off his honor. He says, please, all of my sons have been killed. Just mm -hmm. give me my son's body back. And Achilles is like, this is a this is honor. I get it. So mm -hmm. he gives the body back, returns Hector's corpse. There is a temporary truce, and Hector gets a funeral. Now yes. we don't see the end of the war, but we do know it does eventually end. We get the stories yes. of the Trojan horse. We get the stories of the Odyssey. Yeah. So we know that it eventually ends. We know yes. that the Greeks win, but I also do want to briefly sidebar. That is not how the Achilles tendon gets its name. It gets its name from Achilles was dipped in a river by his mom in the river Styx to protect him, and then that's like the one place that's vulnerable. And then he later gets shot there, and like that's the thing that like fucking kills him. Like that's like okay. the part of his like metaphysical armor that when he gets like stabbed or shot there with an arrow, like he's like ah! and then just like falls over and like dies so slight sidebar correction there if you are one of like i guess I the three that. people who listens to this and has a test <laughs> and, has so, a test. <laughs> and that's something we don't really get to see in this is mm -hmm. there are a bunch of of stories and prophecies about achilles and one of them is yes. basically after hector dies he's toast and so it does yeah. not too soon after this he would have been toast um yeah. um so, where you get shot could 
there's a lot that goes on in these books. Um, it's one of those things that, and we'll talk about this later. Uh, I don't know why we make anyone read these. I don't know. I'm going to be honest. I have never read the Iliad until now, and I freaking loved it. Yes. But I'm also a mythology nerd, so that's. I was and still am a mythology nerd. I think I had the angst of having to read it. And it was just very long and a slog. And like the time that I had to read it wasn't ideal. Because, uh, you know, high school is all about passing the test because no one cares about your individual success. Um, I was more soul crushing than I wanted it to be. Um, but it's so, accurate. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we're going to talk about some themes and symbols, and we're going to start with uh, glory versus the reality of war. Um, that is a very, very interesting Greek concept uh, when you talk about ancient Greece, that there is some very lofty notions about war and glory, but it depends on which Greek city-state that you're in. Obviously, the Spartans had very different opinions from the Athenians, the Athenians from the Minoans, like the Thebes, people from Thebes had a very different idea. Like everyone had different ideas, which is what makes it so weird that we tend to talk about Greece like it's Pangea. <laughs> this bitch don't fuck about, know about Pangea? Yeah, like <laughs> we talk about Greece like it's all one thing when like realistically no ancient Greek person would have thought that. It's so kind, it's of, kind like, of like out here, like California is very different from New York, which is very different from all the different major cities. Yeah, and like calling us all Americans feels a little bit like inauthentic sometimes. Where it's like, well, yes, we all do reside in America. We all have very different values that have been shaped by our geography. Um, ancient Rome and just Italy, like modern Italy has that problem where we tend to treat like modern Italy and ancient Rome as like this monolithic thing. And it never was the empire to the West and to the East were very different than the main parts of the empire. And even now in modern Italy, North and South are very, very different. You can tell because the South has tomatoes because Spain brought those in the 1500s. I love, I love that this is where you went. It makes me so happy. They didn't always have tomatoes. Well, in the U.S. too, we always talk about, oh, you know, we love Italian food, but most of what we know is Southern Italian food. Yeah, like we don't know Northern Italian food because it's very different. And it's actually very German influenced because Austria and Germany used to hold a lot of control over Italy. Please do not get me started on history tangents. I will never leave. Um, but so, I, love them. I learned so much. So we do get these very interesting, different, like... It feels like Star Wars, where there's a desire to tell this story of, like, brave, great white men doing brave, great white man things. But then you, like, pull the camera lens back, and there's a bunch of people just, like, festering and dying. Because that's all that Star Wars is. It's our modern monomyth, which is akin to what, like, the Iliad and the Odyssey was to the ancient Greeks. Star Wars is our monomyth. Which I hate and if saying. You don't believe us because you need to hear a professional male say it. Joseph Campbell said something very similar, so f off. But anyway, if I have to, if I have to be mansplained, I will accept only from Joseph Campbell. 
Like, I, there's, like, three men on that list that I'll accept, and it's either of the Green Brothers and Joseph Campbell. I will accept that. If you, for whatever reason, are suspicious of what I have to say, and you need to source check Joseph Campbell, I'm willing to give you a small pass on that. But we keep telling these stories because war is, unfortunately, a very important part of empire building and life. It doesn't have to be. There were plenty of civilizations that were not in the warring business. Uh, deciding on who uh, chose war and chose violence as a strategy is something that will aggravate archaeologists, so don't do it. No one really knows. And no one is really going to try because even civilizations that we tend to think were peaceful, like the Indus Rivers Valley uh, civilization, we don't know. We have no idea. Just because we don't see, I use air quotes, uh, evidence of warfare, what does evidence of warfare look like thousands of years ago? Whomst does warfare look like? Uh, so you see this great struggle to talk about war as either this gritty, realistic thing that really happens and you can really die and it's really horrible, or look at all these shiny, oiled men doing shit and look at how cool they look. It's sort of like the reason why every uh, Michael Bay movie is secretly propaganda for the military. I mean, it's not even secret. It just is. Uh, I was going to say, is it really secret? It's not. I don't know why I said secret like it's subtle. It's not. Uh, the military does give Michael Bay money, which, yeah, if you're one of those people who's like, I really like the Transformers movies. Well, one, you're wrong. And two, what? <laughs> what? No, I'm just thinking of conversations that I've actually had. It's like, one, you're incorrect. You do not like those movies. Those movies are white noise. They are the cinematic version of white noise. And two, like, you are supporting military propaganda. And it, my thing goes out, if you hate Megan Fox, watch Jennifer's Body. You will not hate Megan Fox. She's um, not a bad actress. She's not a can, bad actress. She's just been in a lot of... You can dislike Megan Fox right now. Okay, you can dislike her right now. But I mean, yeah. in early career where people were okay, like... Okay, yeah, if you were one of those people sure. who's like, oh, Megan nice. Fox is the worst part of Transformers, then you're ignoring a lot of other shit. If you think she's the worst part of Transformers, I would love to know where your eyes are. Is Stanley Tucci in that movie? Yes, he's in several of them. Okay. Why is he so pretty? Anyway, sorry, sorry. He's he's a bad guy in that movie, but... um, He's not just a bad guy. He's an ineffectual bad guy who has to be consistently taken down a peg by the strong, capable American army. <laughs> Look at all the planes, pew pew. So a lot of the descriptions that we get in this, at least in the beginning, are like, look at these honor prizes. Look at all these things we're doing. We're going to fight mm -hmm. this battle. Mm -hmm. um, and then you get descriptions like somebody gets hit in the forehead with a rock and their eyes pop out. Yes. Which um, I thought was very funny. I shouldn't have laughed, but I did. Um, I was listening to the Alfred Molina audiobook, which let's be real. That's it was going to be anyone. Yeah, that's a pretty um, good one. It was really good. Um, but there's all sorts of descriptions, and they're very brutal, and they're very gross. They and are. Part of me wonders why we don't read this in high school, why we read the Odyssey. Because, one, this is a little less rapey. And two, it was way more interesting. But that's just me. I guess we read the Odyssey, though, because of all the cultural references. I get it. 
I also, so like, it's interesting to me because I always read both. Like when I, so again, spoiler for the end of the show where we usually say, do we read this in school? I did. And we read them hand in hand. Like it was Iliad and then Odyssey. Like, so the idea that there are schools that separate it, y'all are wrong. Y'all are correct. Like, but it also, I mean, like, we do take a lot of books out of context for each other. Like, I keep thinking about, like, Dante's Inferno. Like, no one reads the entire Divine Comedy. We just read the Inferno. And, like, considering that is, like, the least important part of the Divine Comedy. Uh, but we only hone in on one part. So, like, we as Western consumers of this stuff, we do have a very, very bad habit of doing that. So... So a lot of the discussion that we have in this is a fate um, mm -hmm. and how you cannot outrun your fate. Um, mm -hmm. This is this is actually something that's very common in multiple cultures of mythology is the mm -hmm. idea that your destiny has been laid out. Mm -hmm. You can work within the parameters of that destiny, but it's still going to happen. Mm -hmm. um, so with Achilles, we see a lot of him fighting against that. Like, mm -hmm. no, nah, you can't tell me what to do. I'm going to be me. Um and a lot of different gods playing things out so that it ends up, even if they think that they're interfering, fate wins out. Mm -hmm. Which is why, if you read a lot of Greek mythology, the, even the gods are uncomfortable with the concept of the fates. So the, the three um, figures that present as women um, mm -hmm. determine whose uh, thread to spin and whose thread to cut. Um, mm -hmm. You see this also in Norse with the Norns. Um, it's very, it's this this concept of we may be all powerful and do what we want, but we still cannot interfere with that. Absolutely. And it is sort of set to be like this sort of a cosmic checks and balances system. Because one thing, if you are a mythology nerd, especially like Greco-Roman mythology, the gods do be wilding. I mean, realistically, like, every mythology has that, but, like, there is something unique about the Greco-Roman pantheon, Doobie Wilden. So you have the fates really there. It's interesting where these cultures place their checks and balances. One of them is death. <laughs> where he's usually very beleaguered, pissed off, and exhausted. <laughs> and then the fates, who are also usually very beleaguered, pissed off, and exhausted. Because there yeah. are constantly people begging to change things. And they're just like, no, you dumb hoe. Thanatos takes you. Hades has to rule over you. Mm -hmm. It's like, he brings you in and goes, okay, you have three different options. You were either incredibly good, and I'm going to send mm -hmm. you to the Elysian Fields. Mm -hmm. You were okay, and I'm going to send you, I think it's to Asphodel. Which is basically just like this. Yes. It's almost like the Egyptian Sea of Reeds. Or yeah. I'm going to send you to Tartarus, mm -hmm. uh, which is interesting because in even in uh, Christian discussions, Tartarus mm -hmm. is a terrifying place and it's a natural mm -hmm. place. But that's a whole other thing. Um, mm -hmm. And that's where all the people go to be punished for eternity. So mm -hmm. we, in at least in the kind of uh, Judeo-Christian belief, are like, you go to hell and it is over or you go to heaven. Or there were the recent, uh, recent, I mean, additions as far as if you're looking at antiquity purgatory isn't that old of a concept um 
It so depends that, on which Catholic you talk to. Okay, it does depend on which Catholic you talk to. Yeah, I would, I would not feel comfortable saying that imperatively or categorically. I would say it depends on which Catholic you talk to, because in theory, the Gnostics have their own weird idea of all this stuff. Oh yeah, please do not get me started on Gnosticism again. You will never derail me. Um, honestly, if it's Gnosticism or birds, the conversation is over. Do not get me started on either one of those things. Um, so I would, I would say it depends on which Christian Catholic you're talking to. Um, but yeah, there is this really, really huge idea of like, you know, the cards are already laid out. And one of the big reasons why so many people either love or hate the Greco-Roman pantheon is that it does just feel like the gods watching people fuck up. Mostly because shit. Yeah, mostly because it's shit they've done. Like, and it's, it's weird because as much of a mythology person as I am, I've always struggled with this part of the Greco-Roman uh, pantheon. Is that it's like, I've never liked the idea that we're like a cosmic soap opera. I've always really like existentially struggled with that. Like even when it comes to like ancient alien theory and shit like that. I've always really, really struggled with that. Where like we're just some kind of like horrifying soap opera for like some higher being. And that's something that we like when I started getting into mythology as a kid, I really struggled with this pantheon that it's like, are you guys just here fucking shit up for fun? Like, at least for the Norse pantheon, if they meddled with human shit, it was because, honestly, it was Loki's fault. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. It was Loki's fault. He did something. But, like, they didn't have much of a care about what humans were doing. Humans had their own shit to worry about. What I love is if you look into, like, Norse beliefs and things like that, the majority of people who were farmer, well, the majority of people were farmers or were mm -hmm. folks that lived off the land. So they mm -hmm. were way more interested in Freyr and they were way more interested in Thor because that was the fertility of the land and it was mm -hmm. rain, which they needed, but they needed rain. They didn't need hail. So mm -hmm. it was keeping those two balanced. It was only later on that Odin became kind of this all father figure. Mm -hmm. So you look at like at least the shrines and stuff that they found the majority of them are thor or freya or freya it is mm -hmm. very much like odin was like okay so if we have to go to war we'll talk but mm -hmm. for the most part people were like i just need something to look at in my daily life i do not have time for this um whereas in greek mythology you you do have some of those but the majority mm -hmm. of it is meanwhile zeus was horny and like yeah. that's <laughs> That's really the great underpinning of Greco-Roman myth is somewhere Zeus had a bad idea. And here's the thing. I love Hera. I will be a Hera apologist all day long. She is tired of his bullshit. I, I'm not going to quite comfortably say that I'm a Hera apologist, but I'm a very much like Hera sympathizer. It's like, I get it. I still think that she often takes it on the wrong party. That's true. Rest in peace, Ganymede, and everything like that. Like, or like, well, rest then you in have like, what is it, Apollo and Artemis killing Niobe's entire family just because right, she was like, like, I'm a better parent. What the? Yeah, like I, I'm not gonna say that I'm like a Hera like apologist because she often takes it out on the wrong person. Like it's no, it's not Ganymede's fault that he's hot. That's not his fault. That's get your fucking husband like get get him <laughs> tell him to stop 
the interesting thing is we see a lot of parallels too with Norse mythology with Odin and with Frigg. Mm-hmm. And to the point where Frigg is honest to God, the CEO of Asgard. She yes. is the one who handles the day to day. Yeah, that's fair. She, she <laughs> does everything <laughs> to keep things <laughs> organized. And here's the thing. I don't really like Chris Jenner, but I'm, I, I can but you agree can't with that. say that I'm wrong. You're not wrong. Um, like that's I mean, the even down to the part. fact that the different aspects of Frigg, it depends on, on who you're talking to, which Norse mm-hmm. mythologist you're talking to. Some believe that the um, the handmaids that she has are just different aspects of herself. Some believe that they're separate goddesses. Mm-hmm. But she's got a crew. She is running mm-hmm. a business and she is good at it. And so, yes. like, even with Odin, she'll, she will play nice and she will be like, this is my husband, you know, he's great. But at the mm-hmm. same time, she's like, I don't care if you have another wife. I really don't give a shit. Yeah, I got she's, shit. <laughs> she's literally just Chris Jenner. Um, which I, you know, if you want to talk about being an apologist, I am a very, very soft, like Chris Jenner apologist. I mean, she's a terrible dragon lady, but like game recognize game. I, I think I stan her in the way I stand like Jody Arias. Oh my God. <laughs> Where it's like, game, recognize game, get it. Are you okay? No. Do you need help? You know the answer to this question. No, I'm not. Uh, I was watching a true crime documentary earlier because I'm well adjusted and not sad about my parents at all. Uh, and it was this guy who like clearly is like, there's something wrong with him. And I don't say that pejoratively. Something is incorrect with him. Like, he wears a suit day to day because he quote unquote likes feeling the weight on him. Uh, and he just like, ah, 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 ah. That, that sounds like some erotica I've read. Okay. Right. And like, he just decides one day I'm going to do a murder. So he like finds a mutual. He drives him out to a Walmart, pulls a weapon on him, says, we're going to drive out to the country, blows this guy's brains out uh, and tries to steal his truck. That doesn't go well. And like, he gets an insanity because like again there's clearly something wrong with him but the problem is that to plead insanity uh he has to not be aware what he's doing is wrong and there are all these places in the story where he clearly knew he was doing something wrong and like listening to his uh oh my gosh interrogation footage is insufferable where he's like oh yes and then i took out the weapon and i shot him i did so because i assumed that he would have the least amount of impact as in people would miss him less I got WD-40 from a friend's dad so I could remove the oils in my fingerprints on surfaces. And then the the peace day resistance, the part where I just start saying fuck you to the television is when he says, I'm not sad that I got caught. In fact, I'm glad that who caught me was someone who had sheriff in their title, not deputy. And for a solid like 30 seconds at the like just like fuck you. Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. You killed this person because you thought no one would miss him. He had a family and friends. And then you're gonna say, I'm not sorry I got caught. I'm just glad that a sheriff did it. Gang gang. Fuck you. Fuck you. I'm trying not to laugh. I'm sorry that when you say gang gang. (laughs) I know. It doesn't it doesn't fit. It doesn't fit at all. 
ties in a little bit. At least we can. I can pretend it. It's a segue. Do you honor masculinity? Yes. There's a lot of discussion in this about honor. There's a lot of there like freaking Agamemnon freaking out because he's like, "No, you can't take my woman prize." Like, it, it's the stupidest shit. It's the stupidest shit. But it's like Do we have space in the outline for all of the times they talk about women as property. Listen, I didn't. I didn't keep a. a checklist but i thought about it i thought about doing little tallies every time do we have do we have space to talk about all the times that they refer to women as property it's pretty much constant which is hilarious because a lot of the main heroes in this their mm -hmm. uh their goddess is athena yeah and i'm not gonna sit here if any none of our listeners will do this but if you are for whatever reason this is your first time finding this podcast firstly i apologize Secondly, I don't want to renew your shit about it being a different time. The women of Sparta had more rights than many of the men did. They could read, they could hold business, and a lot of them were just shit-talking each other and shit-talking men. There was like a psychological tool that Spartans used, which was essentially just throwing shade at people, like aggressively. That was like an entire psychological tool that they used against each other, was just like harsh words. And the women were masters of this. So I don't want to hear any of your shit, but like it was a different time. Fuck you. Hi. 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 <laughs> so so anyway. toxic masculinity. <laughs> that thing that we talk about somehow every episode. Yeah, pretty much. I was like, do we even need to explain it anymore at this point in time? I described myself in a conversation with someone that I'm Ernest Hemingway Sans toxic masculinity. <laughs> and I don't okay. think that I'm wrong. <laughs> I don't think I'm incorrect. So because the next three kind of tie together, I'm going to throw them together. Um, we have a lot of discussions about burials and importance of funeral customs. So when mm -hmm. Patroclus dies, we have the whole games system. We have yes. with, when Priam comes to get the body of Hector, we have mm -hmm. the discussion of we have certain numbers of days that we need to do things. We need to gather mm -hmm. people. We need to have a feast. Mm -hmm. We need to do these different actions. Mm -hmm. um, and grief. Grief is mm -hmm. a very real thing. The fact I that do, Priam... Sorry, sorry. I do want to sidebar here and uh, go back to something that you had talked about earlier is um, the level of disrespect that happens to bodies. Mm-hmm. That was very important to the Greeks. So writing that shit in was scathing. And if it made your skin crawl, there's a reason for that. Um, I think a lot of teachers overlook it because they're tired, which I understand. That's why we do this for fun. Uh, but that disrespect that like Achilles pays to Hector's body, that isn't just in there for like shits and giggles. That is aggressive. That is saying a lot. And if it made you feel uncomfortable, point achieved. Because as Tori mentioned at the top of the show, this is usually said orally. Imagine just being around a fucking campfire and listening to this description. No, that's awful. That's the worst thing that you can do to someone. Yeah, and that's one of the reasons that Athena steps in with Hector's body and does her stuff 
and mm -hmm. why Thetis does the same thing for Patroclus. Part mm -hmm. of the thing it, with Patroclus, though, is that that's her son's, as we're going to discuss, likely lover. And yeah. so she knows that if that body starts to decay or fall apart, Achilles is going to lose his shit even further. Yes, um, which we did not think like, possible. Like, there's a whole part where they're talking about, like, they were going to burn the bodies, but they ended up burying them. Achilles asks to be buried with Patroclus when he dies. Yes, he does. I'm yes. So that's where we're going to kind of go into this. So, you know, we always joke about the close friends, roommates. Yes. Anyway, anything but lovers. Mm -hmm. In the ancient times, in the Plato's Symposium, they yeah. didn't have a discussion about whether or not Patroclus and Achilles were having sex with each other. Okay. No. That wasn't the discussion. They no. knew that they were close enough and that they were likely lovers. The yes. discussions that they had was who was the top and who was the bottom. And I am <laughs> not making this up. I am not making this up. Go read like some Plato. Go. There's a ton of YouTube videos that discuss this. There are. It, nowadays we do this whole thing where we're like, well, maybe they weren't gay. They in Greece, gay. it wasn't even a, a concept. This was his most beloved friend. This was the yes. person he was with all yes. the time from childhood. This yes. was his like closest companion. Yes. And it was likely his lover. And that's probably one of the reasons that like Briseis comes forward after, you know, he dies and is like, he's the most gentle. He wasn't like trying to take advantage of me. He was trying to teach me and be mm -hmm. a good guy because mm -hmm. it's like, yeah, if, especially if you read things like um, the Song of Achilles, which I yeah. highly recommend. It is fictional, but it she is so good. She is so good about reading the details. Um, I have mixed feelings about it. I love it so much. I, the only reason why I have mixed feelings about it is because, and this is just me being a classics nerd. There's a lot of idealization about homosexuality in ancient Greece and ancient Rome. And the problem is, is that a lot of it was rooted in very, very strong misogyny. A lot of writers and philosophers at the time were convinced that laying with women was akin to laying with animals. There's a lot of talk about how women are unclean, are dirty, are below men, are worthless. So homosexuality and bisexuality wasn't just this like lofty, you know, they were so much more progressive than us. It was rooted in misogyny. It was rooted in sexism. It was rooted in a genuine hatred of women. So I kind of struggle with like the song of Achilles that just makes it like a beautiful gay fanfic when like, I'm sure that there were people that were like that, but for the most part, it wasn't just this chill gay utopia. Like, especially in Sparta, where a lot of people talk about how gay Sparta was, that was a lot of rape. That was a lot of sleeping with children. That was a lot of very, like, gross, unsavory things that, while, yes, gay, is not exactly this, like, utopian society of homosexuality that a lot of people who are really only reading that surface level subtext are getting so i'm a little bit frustrated with things like song of achilles like no diss to her that work it's good i just get frustrated when people run with it and they make it sound like it was this beautiful free love paradise where it's oh, it like, definitely wasn't perfect yeah. and yeah. there's a lot of discussion in it too about how they're trying to separate the two of them just for mm -hmm. honor's sake um and like try to make him be more aggressive towards women mm -hmm. um 
because there's even like parts where in, in that, at least in that book, where Thetis is yeah. like, you're going to sleep with this chick and you're going to have kids. And he's like, okay, I guess my mom's a goddess and telling me to do this. It's a whole mm -hmm. other thing though. That's but not again, even, like, that's that, not is no, that is nothing on the book. That is fully on the date on the fan base that has taken like three lines out of context and now thinks that ancient Greece was like fire Island. It's not. Sorry, guys. It's not. Um, like, like, and don't get me wrong. I was one of those people. I was one of those people that was like, oh, my God, Sparta was so gay. And then, like, you find out about all, like, the pedophilia and shit like that. And it's like, oh. Throwing deformed children off of mountains. Yeah. Well, I mean, I already knew about that. I, I was air quotes okay with that, I guess, after seeing 300. It was so air quotes. Yes. The movie The 300 pisses me off to. I think it pisses everyone off. No, and and the so this this was kind of my test. This is how I knew that my ex fiance and I were going to break up. Is he loved that movie? That movie was everything to him, and I was went. Oh, oh God, girl, you in danger? <laughs> yeah, that's a, no. I'll I'll go ahead and tell you this is so you know there's like those red flag tests for men, and I've also struggled with this, you know, like online dating and everything. It's it's World War Two, obviously. If any guy is too into World War Two. I apologize. You know, but also anyone who still idealizes ancient Greece and ancient Rome. I do want to also throw out there that when we broke up, he became a youth pastor and married one of the girls that he was in. So this man had so many red flags on the field. field was the sea of red. Yeah. yeah. But like, that's also like, that's very much also on my list where like anyone who's like super idealizing, it's like, oh man, like Alexander the Great was the best. Like, you mean that bitch ass bottom? <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sitting over here. You mean that fucking pillow, princess? Can I help you? What? No. <laughs> Alexander the Great is not a bastion of strength. That is a twink with a sword. Who gave the twink a sword? I don't know. He took over a lot of kingdoms with his twink sword. I mean, yeah, white gays have done that too. That's something to be happy about. And then he just fucking died. Like, that's literally the, the homosexual legacy. He failed upwards and then he just fucking died. Sorry. This is always my favorite part of the show is when I say something incendiary and Tori has to begrudgingly, but also like delightfully admit that I'm not wrong. Yes, and I just giggle. And then part of me wants to backpedal to apologize for you. And then the rest of me is like, no, no, no. let her go. Let her let do it. Let go. Let, let her, her go. do it. I'm like, I'm, like, I am fully that guy who's like that meme. It's like, changed my mind. <laughs> it's just like, that's. That's fully who I am. Step to me. I welcome it. Please tell me otherwise. Alexander the Great and his fucking bussy. I don't care about how great you think he is. He wasn't. He was a pillow princess and he was a bottom and he needed to sit his ass down, but he didn't. Okay. So you have a bunch of notes in here too. And I just want to throw this out there as well. So one yeah. of the things that we see in, at least later on in the Odyssey. So I'm not just pulling this stuff out of thin air, just so yes. we're clear. 
Achilles and Patroclus are seen together in the underworld in the Odyssey. And we yes. kind of discussed this a little bit in our Odyssey episode, but we didn't really go into it. No, um, we didn't Achilles's whole complaint is basically like, don't chase honor. It's not freaking worth it. Mm -hmm. Like, it's a whole thing. And the, the thing is, too, about honor in, in this system, it wasn't you lived and you were happy. Yeah. It was you did something and everybody remembers you for doing the thing, but probably your life was terrible. And we see that with yeah. um, Hercules. We see that with like all the major f figures, I think Jason as well. Um, yeah. Like, it also yeah, ties really closely to the idea of like what a hero is for ancient Greece and ancient Rome, which is very, very different than how we over here idealize a hero. I mean, not unless you read DC comics. Um, I didn't mean to make that sound like DC supremacy. We're also trash. Everyone is trash. Um, but <laughs> I don't know why I tried to do like a DC supremacy thing. I, none of that shit. Not for free. Um, but basically the idea of a hero back then really was basically someone who did war crimes, but it was okay. Like it was basically like this guy did something awful and everyone knows it, but it's fine. I guess like it isn't an altruistic person. It isn't a good person. It isn't someone who helped anything like Achilles is considered a hero after he curb stomps someone for stabbing his boyfriend. That's not something we multiple people for stopping a lot. Are you keeping up with the elephant drama? I have no idea what you're talking about. Okay, 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 okay. Sit down. I don't know why I said that. You are sitting down. So, <laughs> no, you aren't ready for this. So, in I think it's somewhere in like Southeast Asia, a story came out that an elephant came into a funeral took a woman off of the funeral pyre and trampled her. And everyone's like, what the fuck? Context. That elephant trampled that woman to death. Came back, took her off her funeral pyre, trampled her again, flung her around, and then walked off into the sunset. People have spent literally weeks trying to figure out what this woman did because elephants aren't dumb elephants are incredibly smart and there is no way on god's green earth that that elephant has zero reason for this now that has brought up some conjecture because sometimes elephants do just choose violence there are reports of zoos having to change keepers because the elephant just decides i fucking hate you I hope that's the option. I hope the elephant just made eye contact with that woman, said, I no longer want you to be here, and then just murked. Now, I'm not glad that a person died. Obviously, that is very, very sad. I can also only think about how traumatizing that was to her family. Have a fucking elephant storm the funeral, <laughs> flail her around like a rag doll, throw her and trample her again. Also, the elephant escaped from a sanctuary that was 124 miles away. Holy shnikes. The elephant was on a mission. So there's been a lot of talk, like black Twitter and like black TikTok has definitely ran with this one where it's like, I want to know what happened. Because that's like levels of petty that most of us are aiming for. What happened? You traveled 124 miles to re-kill this woman? What the fuck? 
Yeah. And I mean, there have been all sorts of reports too about elephants, mm -hmm. like when somebody has been a really good caretaker or something like that, if they see them again, they come and greet them. Yeah. Um, like it's, it's not, it's not unheard of. Dumb. Like you said, elephants aren't dumb. Elephants They're are very dumb. intelligent. They're not dumb. And yeah, so right now the whole thing is, is just like, what happened? Because while elephants can be that petty, it's not likely that they'd be that petty. So it's like, what did this woman do? We don't know what's going on. But that's the elephant drama. And like, that's honestly what a lot of this feels like, is just how do we sustain a pettiness erection for the longest amount of time. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's what all, a lot of this feels like, is how do we remain petty until the heat death of the universe? So you had mentioned in here too, why is it so easy to read homosexuality or bisexuality into this work? Yeah. Um, so, you know, as I mentioned at the top of the show, one of my other podcasts is on like Boys Love and Yaoi. And we talk a lot about that in like fan culture. Because one thing that fangirls usually get uh, really like knocked and dinged for is, well, why are you so quick to read homosexuality into this? They were just friends. Like, I think that like with like Supernatural and like the MCU and like Sherlock and stuff like that, like shows that like did a pretty decent amount of queer baiting and movies that did a decent amount of queer baiting. And then it's female fans that are like weird and wrong for picking up on obvious signals. Um, it's easy to read homosexuality into a lot of these things because yeah, especially over here in America where we are as individualistic as we are, it's hard for us to wrap our heads around, especially two men being that close to each other. And I remember Tori said this at the top of the show, she was like, you know, I'd imagine we do this for our friends. I'm like, I don't know what fucking friend you're talking about. Excuse me. <laughs> like, I love my friends. That is true. But like, I'm not going to war for any of you bitches. Well, no. even in the movie Troy, they change um, Patroclus into Achilles' cousin, which mm -hmm. annoys the crap out of me. Yeah, they did the Sailor Moon thing. Every single person that I've talked to that has seen that has been like, you're not going to do that for your cousin. Yeah, like it's literally it's literally what they did for Sailor Moon when they took it over from Japan because a few of the Sailor Scouts are gay. Oh, yeah. Okay. They turn it over to cousins. And like I remember like having like looking at my cousin like we don't hold hands. Like we don't we don't we don't talk. We don't look at each other like this. It's gross. Like what the fuck? Like there's this weird dissonance to it that it's like we don't don't ever look at me like that. No. Like it's <laughs> I could throw out there, I live in a southern state, there's some southern states that that might happen in, but I don't really think that that's fair. Yeah, I, I, I don't want to talk about incest jokes in the I don't either. Okay, we're done. <laughs> um, and then plus the cultural context of, of mm -hmm. what we were discussing, like, that there, wasn't there was homosexuality, yes. Yeah. It was very common for younger okay. guys. Um, and then as you got older, you got married and all sorts of stuff. And then like you would sometimes take on a younger lover or something like that. But it wasn't like here where it's like, oh gosh, clutch pearls, clutch pearls. Um, mm -hmm. So we have a lot of gods in this um, and I'm yeah. not going to go into full descriptions of everybody because we would be here all day, yeah. um, but they matter because of their influence. Um, a lot of the reason that we see 
this war going on so long is because of the involvement of the gods. Yes. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, so you have Athena get involved all the time. All the time. And this mm -hmm. is like Odysseus's girl, if you remember from the Odyssey. Like, mm -hmm. she watches over him. She's one of, like, he's one of her favorites. There's even a part in Patroclus's, like, funeral games where she helps him cheat because she helps Ajax fall into a pile of dung, which was rude. Um, and Ajax even comes forward and goes, yeah, well, maybe if you didn't have Athena protecting you all the time, it wouldn't be such a big deal. Which um, does just feel unfair. I'm just going to go it ahead. It does. That, that um, does just feel very unfair. Apollo steps in a lot. Hera has a whole conversation with Zeus at one point in time going, you can't save this guy because then you're going to have to save everybody. Mm -hmm. Um, I know that this is technically partly your kid, but let's be real. Mm -hmm. um, one of my favorite portions is with Hephaestus. And for those of you who don't know, Hephaestus and Aphrodite are married. Um, it's always acted like it's not a particularly happy marriage. Mm -hmm. And the funny thing is Hephaestus, like his whole description is that he has a limp. And so he's not perfect. So therefore... Mm -hmm. Why is he a god? And it's hilarious because he's the one who makes all the weapons for everybody. Yeah, he also has a great moment where um, it's Ares and Aphrodite are like fucking in his marriage bed. And he creates like this like gossamer thin uh, net to capture them and like say, stop fucking in my bed. Because that's what you do when you're tired of being a cuck. One of my absolute favorite parts, and I promised I would discuss this, is Helen, or not Helen, um, Helen is back behind the walls of Troy, mm -hmm. and Aphrodite rescues Paris off the mm -hmm. field because he's about to get killed, and she drops mm -hmm. him back in his bed and cleans him up. Mm -hmm. And Aphrodite goes to Helen and goes, you go to Paris, and you be with him, and you comfort mm -hmm. him. And she fires back on Aphrodite, basically, you go be his wife or you go be his whore since you are so connected to him. And Aphrodite is like, bitch, what did you just say to me? Like, it is so good. And it was just one of those moments that I went, wait, what just happened here? This I hate that my brain immediately reminded me of something that happened in the in a in a Marvel comics where Jean Grey dies, and uh, Cyclops and Emma Frost end up like making out on her grave because that's what you do. Like that's iconic. And then yeah, this like Emma and Cyclops. Yeah, so Cyclops is sad because you know Jean Grey is still dead, and this is before Madeline Pryor and before Cable. Um, so. Jean Grey reaches out to Emma Frost, like, you know, psychic realm shit, is like, go fucking talk to my husband. I can't deal with this anymore. Like, you already fucked him. Like, he's your problem now. I am just going to do, like, this, like, beyond the veil, Dark Phoenix thing. My husband is now your problem. <laughs> and it very much reminds me of that. Yeah, that seems fair. Um, so when we talk about this and we talk about Homer, we've already kind of talked a little bit about this with the Odyssey. We don't really know a whole lot. Um, we know what we think we know, mm -hmm. but that stuff changes every day. Um, mm -hmm. It's something that you see a lot with archaeology and academia where we teach one particular thing for 10 years and then somebody discovers a body and goes, oh, wait, so um, 
What we can tell you is that the Iliad, the name of it refers to mm -hmm. the old name of the city of Troy, which is Ilion or Ilios. So mm -hmm. the Iliad just means poem of Ilion or basically, basically the story of the city. It's mm -hmm. not anything special or magical or like, oh, this must be a song of the gods. It's That's just what it is. It's very straight and to the point. And you'll see a lot of that with mythology. Yeah, absolutely. And I think also, do you remember that time where everyone was like trying to find the real like archaeological locations for this? Like, we have found Troy! And it's like two rocks. Yeah, and there was that whole issue on TikTok where the girl was like, Troy didn't wasn't real. Oh, that was Egypt. Egypt's not real. Oh, Egypt's not real. I thought it was Troy wasn't real. Well, because honestly, we we don't know how much of Troy is real. Like it's it's a it's True. more than a ruin. So like there was one thing that I read that was like Homer was probably like a social construct rather than like an individual person. And I kind of love that. But yeah, like there's oh yeah, there was a woman on TikTok who was like, Egypt wasn't real, which stares at Egypt. <laughs> just like, glares in pyramid. Right. Just stares. Yeah, like Napoleon shot off the nose of the Sphinx. Like, of course it's real. I love the whole concept of Hermes Trimagestus, by the way. Um yes. Oh, first of all, I just love Hermes because Hermes does what he wants when he wants. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's my love for tricksters. It's my love mm -hmm. for tricksters. It's why I love Loki. It's why I love Anansi. It's I do what I want. Bye. Oh, I got in trouble. Let me fix this. Bye. Well, so Hermes was very, very interesting because so Hermes tries to guess this like is just very much not like probably was was a real person but also wasn't a real person and he got the name uh trismegistus because it literally just means like three times as good which i one day ascribed to have that much confidence oh sidebar i uh reached out to amber before i had a big interview this week and i said do you have any words of confidence and she said may you go into that interview with the confidence of a mediocre white man I miss her. I need to see her. And I was just like, that's it. That's what I need is to go into this. Like I have the confidence of a mediocre white man. Uh, so yeah, there's, it's easy to read homosexuality into this because there is, and even with the gods, there's a lot of like weird relationships. Like I keep talking about Ganymede because that's a story that has always meant a lot to me. And that Zeus took on a male lover because he can. And like, there was this weird understanding that again, like for all of my whinging about how it's not ideal to romanticize Greco-Roman homosexuality, there was also at least for some, this genuine understanding that it wasn't about sex or gender, it was about beauty. And like, I think that's one of the reasons why I love the story of Ganymede so much, even though it ends horribly. But Spoiler alert, it gets better because Ganymede is now the name of one of the moons surrounding Jupiter, so he's always watching. <laughs> uh, but, like, there was an understanding that just Ganymede was just so beautiful that he was captivating to Zeus. It didn't matter that he was biologically male. It, that wasn't important. It was that he was just a beautiful person. And, like, that I can kind of jive with. Like, that idea of just, like, 
it isn't about what's between your legs or what you identify with. It's just you are a gorgeous individual and a person that I want to be with. Like that part, yes, I can get with. I can understand why people want to look at that and think that that's the whole narrative, even though it's not. So I'm going to admit, throw something out on the field. Yes. This book made me start looking at uh, Persephone and Hades shit again. And uh, not in the good mythological way, in the I found a bunch of erotica. Um, and so I'm obsessed again. And it's a problem. I've never found them. Like, when people say, like, I want a relationship like this. And... I think a lot of it is Laura Olympus's fault again. Oh, it is. No. It is. And no. here's the funny thing is yeah. I'm not caught up on Laura Olympus. I read the first collection. My daughter is obsessed mm -hmm. and is every day. Have you read Laura Olympus? And I'm like, no, I haven't read it yet. Um, yes. And, but I don't think it's just Laura Olympus's fault. Like this has been like an undercurrent. It kind of reminds me of like Harley Quinn Joker stuff a little bit. where like, it's an objectively terrible relationship that everyone keeps romanticizing because of popular culture. I think Laura Olympus is the most recent apotheosis of it. And again, no hate to the creator, no hate to Laura Olympus. I don't think it's bad. I just, I get really, really like bristly when anyone's like, oh my God, I want to be someone's Persephone. You want a man to steal you and rape you? So I'm going to be honest with you. That's not the aspect I'm interested in. And I know it's I'm not for you. I'm, I'm fully on a tangent. <laughs> Persephone, her whole dual consciousness of being both a goddess of spring and innocence and then being like one of the ones who decides torment and Tartarus. Yeah. Like I no, and I I again, like Harley Quinn and Joker, I understand the appeal. I get it. I totally get it. I think every basic woman has wanted that and has felt important enough to ascribe that to themselves. Because I'm also a basic woman. Like, that is not a dig. That's just a fact. I think every basic woman has decided that that's also them. Even though that's not how personalities work. It can't be. Um, if you want to ruin your life, read Neon Gods by Katie Roberts. I don't like reading okay. people's erotica. <laughs> You're like, no, I'm done. I just, I've been writing it since I was 12 years old. Which is not good. But I was going to say, it's a little concerning, but also... <laughs> yes, it's very concerning. But, like, I just, I'm so selective about other people's erotica. And so many times, it's just not good. It's just not good. And I, 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 I'm sure any suggestion that you give me is great. That is by no means besmirching of you and your tastes. I am just, I'm so, so selective. And that's fine. Because, because there's a lot of erotica and a lot of it is not good. I will say Katie Roberts is really good. Oh, I'm like, certain. To the point my, my brain was like, I don't want to work. I just want to read this damn book. So Fair, valid. Uh, do we have any points to tie up? Um, You can watch adaptations of this. Troy, Troy tries. It doesn't really... It was an attempt to make this giant, like overarching world but also remove the gods from it um yeah. and sean bean is in it and he doesn't die because he's odysseus so if you want to watch a movie where sean bean doesn't die congratulations you found one yeah, um found I, 
we've we've discussed this already. I love the lo- the song of Achilles by Madeline Miller. Mm-hmm. Mid is not necessarily super keen. I, that's okay. That's okay. I think the book is fine. I I think the book is fine. If you're gonna go into it, just I would really, really ask that you do some more research into what homosexuality actually was in Greece and Rome, Agreed. rather than what we think it is because it wasn't just like laying in each other's laps and brushing hair and singing songs and saying lofty angsty tumbler shit it wasn't that everything out lofty angsty tumbler shit every everything (laughs) out of the song of achilles feels like something i saw on like a shitty sepia photo on tumblr (laughs) where it's like you are a part of my soul what in the edward cullen basic asshole the Edward Cullen basic asshole. Like, it's... I get why people like it. I understand. It's, like, genetically modified for you to like it. It's like a McDonald's chicken nugget. It's genetically modified for you to like it. And I'm just aggressively turned off by it. I'm just, like... Not the chicken nuggets, obviously. Uh, but... <laughs> not the chicken nuggets, obviously. You don't get to my size and not very much support chicken nuggets uh, but just like it all just feels so trite and so like yeah you got to be careful with stuff because and, and this is something the kind of a conversation that i have with my kid it's very easy to fall into a certain type of literature or book or something like that mm-hmm. but you've also got to understand the cultural context around it you've got to understand yeah. the additional details around it and yes. i mean part of that's why we do this podcast but yes. it's um it's okay to like something it's just also understand that this isn't the be-all end-all There's yeah that's, that if you take anything from what i said it's that it's that like one don't look to this fan fiction as an accurate representation of anything because that's all it is. It's 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 fan fiction. As much as I do love when a historical fiction people get really really uppity about their stuff, it does feel like that a uh, coalition of wizards we demand to be taken seriously. <laughs> it's like, yeah, your fan fiction is also valid. That's fine. So your we fan- already kind of answered this a little bit uh you had to read this in school right i did i did i did i did uh yeah failed classics major definitely had to read this i think a couple of times actually we didn't in high school we read the odyssey freshman year instead of reading the iliad and i kind of uh like i said at the top of the show i absolutely love this and i would read it again Mm -hmm. so yeah it's good it's good all right uh, we have some resources for you that, uh, just depending on how you're feeling, are either going to be incredibly entertaining or an absolute nightmare. Yes. So that's entirely up to you. Yes. But uh, Tori, what are we reading uh, next? We are reading something that I read in my junior year of college. It's called Oranges Are Not the Only Fruit by Jeanette Winter- Wins- Winterson, I think it is. I'll yes. have to look it up because I'm a horrible person, but uh, it's pretty good. I started rereading it again, and uh, I don't, I don't hate the choice I've made. So I abide it. <laughs> we're gonna, we're gonna be talking about a lot of religious trauma. So a thing that I didn't think I had as severely as I do, right? So 
I grew like we both grew up in different things. You grew up Catholic. I grew up um, well with the addition of your dad's stuff, um, mm -hmm. and then I grew up very evangelical. And so uh, there's a lot of unpacking of the evangelical movement that has has been going on over the past year for me. And uh, yeah, there's yeah, there's a uh... oh boy, it's always fun when like especially for me when I didn't really think I had that much religious trauma. And then I go back and it's like, oh, I have, yeah, I have buckets of this shit. The TikTok sound, I have crippling depression. Yeah, it's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> That's what that is? It's like, I don't have religious trauma. And it's like, checks notes. Oh, fuck, I do. Um, so, you, yes. We are all over social media. Yes. If you want to find us or find out more. Um, we're on Unfortunately Required Reading on Facebook, Unfortunately mm -hmm. RR on Twitter, Unfortunately Required on Instagram, where I put up pictures of the ouzo I was drinking earlier today, which was a horrible call. Um, and then we're also on UnfortunatelyRequiredReading.com. So if you just want to go to one place, that's probably going to be the best place to go. Um, if you want to email us, you can email us at UnfortunatelyRequiredReading at gmail.com. Yep. Uh, one of us will answer eventually. And if you want to support us, um, if you're like, hey, this is cool. I like this. I want this to keep going. Please feel free. Uh, we are at anchor.fm slash unfortunately required reading. And yes. you can uh, join the wonderful people that support us currently. Yes. Uh, thank you to those who continue to pay for the show. Uh, we greatly appreciate it. You know, I always feel a little bit torn on how to handle this because you know, I, I love the very, like, aggressive begging that a lot of shows do. That it's like, oh, without your support, like, we wouldn't be able to do what we do. Eh, we like your support a lot, but we're petty and have an abundance of time. So, if you would like to support us, we very much appreciate it. And as Tori mentioned, you may do so at uh, anchor.fm slash unfortunately required reading. Remember, the first Pride was a riot. Kink belongs at Pride. Cops do not. Amen. And stay safe. Happy Pride. We will see you in the next one. Bye. Bye.